I'm Pia Guerra, and you're listening to Hey Kids Comics. This briefing is from file A56-7W, classified top secret subject is... Hey Kids Comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better, stronger, faster. Hello, everybody. Hello. And welcome back to Hey Kids Comics for the conclusion... Of Avengers vs. X-Men. Mm-hmm. We have no emails this week, Michael. We do not. That's very sad. We read them all out yesterday. I mean, four <laughs> weeks ago. Shush! I am saddened. Saddened by our lack of emails. Yes. But basically means we're just going straight into comics coverage then, unless you've got anything to, to talk about. No. No preamble. No. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Oh. People like the preamble bit. Do they? I suppose we could tap dance. That doesn't work very well on an audio media. Oh, very good. I'm very impressed by your fancy footwork. I should have called you Michael Flatley. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got a Facebook message. Did you? Yes, from somebody today. Recently. I suppose I should say recently, because yeah. this is only going to go up in the middle of January. Um, in which we think we do a very frivolous and rather stupid and silly comic book show. But every now and again, somebody will get in touch with us. Yes. Uh, regarding a real tragedy and say, look, you guys, you were all right when I was going through that. And you're like, oh, that, that's kind of humbling. Yeah. So thank you very much. You know who you are. I'm obviously not going to mention you you're by name in a public forum. But if you want to send us an email, we'll, really, we'll use your email on the show yeah. because nobody else has emailed in this week. I'm saddened. Well, they did. Kind of. Yeah. Ish. Anyway, so, carrying on with what we were talking about, which yeah. is Avengers vs. X-Men, we're up to round nine. Because mm. they're not called issues, no, either, they're, they're, they're called rounds. Which I don't think we've mentioned, because we've been rather crap, let's be honest, yeah. in our intensive coverage of this one. We've called them issues when they're rounds, we've missed entire creator credits off. Do you know who I blame? Huh. You. Uh, you can't blame me, have you seen the creator credits? <laughs> Tell us what happens in Avengers vs. X-Men number 9, Michael. Well, Avengers vs. X-Men 9 has a regular cover by Jim Chung. This time with Spider-Man battle damaged. Uh, get yours today from any good toy store. <laughs> Looking up from Burning Ruins. There's a Ryan Steckman cover of Colossus fighting Spider, a black and white version, a Salvador La Roca cover of Daredevil fighting Archangel, and its team variant. You saying that does remind me, I've nearly finished Marvel Comics' The Untold Story. Have you? Yeah, there is an awful lot of that. Yeah. Much more than you would think. What, the toys? The, the toys leading the comics. It's, it's quite surprising. Yeah. Many a true word spoken in jest, young Michael. Um, I quite like the main cover. I think I like that one the best. It has to be said, the image of Spider-Man with his costume all tones become kind of played out since the first Spider-Man movie, yeah. I think. So over the past ten years, that's kind of become cliche. You know, like Superman's red eyes which bores the crap out of me now. But there's no denying that from a dramatic point of view, a superhero with a torn costume does look pretty damn cool. The other covers are alright. 
the one of Colossus strangling Spider-Man's a bit meh. Just kind of looks like he's roughly taking him from behind, doesn't it? <laughs> the black and white penciled one isn't that much better. Then you've got Daredevil versus Hawkeye. Meh. Is it Hawkeye? Arcane. No, it's Daredevil versus Archangel, isn't it? Yeah. Which is meh. And then there's an Adam Kubert one of... Is that Cyclops? Yeah. With hope reflected in his visor. Meh. By and large. None of those covers particularly said, this is excellent. Mm. Unfortunately. Tell us what happens in the issue. Well, this issue was scripted by Jason Aaron. Ah. With pencils by Adam Kubert. And the rest of the credits... Look up yourself, there's far too many. <laughs> God, yeah, how many people were involved in this book? John Dell inked it, that may be a bit important. Okay. Eight days after the fall of Wakanda, the Avengers still remain on Kunlun. An Avengers rescue team returned but have lost Thor to the Phoenixes. Spidey gives Hope a morale boosting speech about how her time will come and then tells her to get back to training. Tony sits and thinks about how Hope, Iron Fist, Wanda and the Phoenix fit together. Meanwhile, in Russia, Magic and Colossus magically ties Thor up and throws him into a volcano, whilst a group of X-Men watch and decide to leave the X-Men. You got a bad cold? Uh-huh. When did that start? I've always had one. Have you? Yeah. You've not had one this bad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Carry on. Scott and Emma meet up and talk. Emma says she's found the location of Hope from looking into the Avengers' minds, but is scared of what she'll do next. Later, Emma kills a man in a restaurant for accidentally killing a mutant in 1987. Storm meets Black Panther in the ruins of Wakanda and tells him to tell the Avengers that she wants to help. The Avengers open a portal to the Phoenix's volcano in Russia, discovering that it's being created out of the Phoenix power and hellfire, and meet up with Professor Xavier in Storm. The volcano is part of limbo that's been raised to Earth by magics who create a prism. The team find the captured Avengers, but are attacked by Colossus of Magic. Storm opens a way out and the Avengers escape through a puzzle, but Spider-Man stays to fight but is taken down by Colossus. After being brutally beaten, Spidey manipulates Magic and Colossus into fighting each other to get each other's power. Meanwhile, in Kuglun, Scott shows up for hope. Um, alright, I have to make a confession. He said as he made himself a bit more comfortable on the show, he seems to be stuck. Uh, I didn't read these back to back, like we've done with the previous big crossover, because... You know, Christmas was in the middle of all this somewhere. But the character page showing on who's each or who is on each side, which is at the beginning of every one of these issues, was a tad confusing to me. When were the Vision, Daredevil, Giant Man, Daredevil and Mockingbird hurt? Because they've all got a separate box there saying they're injured, and I don't remember when they were injured. I remember Scarlet Witch having a rough time in the last issue, and Captain Britain was part of the Outer Space team. So that explains why he's on the injured list. And when did the X-Men capture the thing in Luke Cage? Because there's another box saying captured by the X-Men. Well, I mentioned that they were captured last week. Were they? Yeah. Right. See, I forgot we didn't that see in the it. interim. We just knew they were. Right. So we didn't ask... That wasn't even in one of the spin-offs. No. Nope. It just happened. Yeah. Alright. Okay. Well, with the injured thing, it has been eight days. Could have happened now. It could, yeah, but... It, it, there are some times where you think sometimes it would be nice to, to actually be shown these rather important plot developments. Which, by and large, this has done quite a good job of not doing stuff like that. Yeah. It has covered the major plot developments, and it has covered them in the main series, which I've been quite impressed by. Uh, I really liked the first couple of pages, um, because they're all landscape, which is a nice artist. Who did you say drew this one? Um, Cuba. 
I thought that was a nice artistic touch. The the, the landscape shot of Colossus just punching Thor out is awesome. And I did like that Jason Aaron, who we met at Thought Bubble. I talked to at Thought Bubble. He was a nice guy. You were busy in the queue for Yannick Paquette, I think. You were in that queue a lot, weren't you? Oh, I was. For Yannick Paquette, yeah. Uh, He was a nice guy. He gives us a lot to read, in addition to the nice big splash pages of people getting punched. Um, All of these, this opening landscape shot, which is the first six pages of the book, first five pages of the book after the splash page, um, are all being told from the normally quite optimistic Peter Parker's point of view. So it was interesting that he would pick a character normally optimistic to give weight to the severity of the situation. I'll be honest, though, I would have liked to have seen the Colossus and Magic Fight Thor. Because that looks pretty awesome, but we're going to get it as our panel. It's a big panel, and Thor gets his his head handed to him. I think it's more effective not seeing it. Do you? Yeah. And it seems to be taking place in Egypt, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, just for different background I just thought that was really cool um do you have anything to say about that um, I will okay <laughs> I don't make notes I just talk about it as I go along but yeah, yeah I'm very impressed by your, your way that you can do that I know I can't do that Spider-Man is usually quite funny and wisecracking and is, that demeanour is well played here whilst he's still cracking jokes there's a very dark undercurrent to his attitude that Aaron does a really good job of pulling off. And Spider-Man is genuinely funny, while still being depicted as being smart, as opposed to the slightly frat boy, stupid humour he's been saddled with in his own title, periodically, since Brand New Day. There's some lovely foreshadowing. Spidey explains to Hope about not getting frustrated about not getting a piece of the action, because that's always short-lived as an Avenger, because eventually everybody gets a piece of the action and that plays into both the beginning where we see the scene through Spider-Man's eyes and the end where Spider-Man is the one who gets his chance to step up plus his Karate Kid gag was funny mm. which I thought was quite humorous I think with comparing this to Civil War as you've done several times yes. how characters are written out of character in Civil War well in character here I think one like Tony Stark was a bit out of character well, I don't see Tony Stark going crazy over this. I didn't. I see. I didn't get him going crazy. I got him just being obsessed. Well, it wasn't even that. They make a big deal out of him and everyone else thinking he's going crazy. Yeah, they do make a big deal about the fact that Tony sat in a room staring at a laptop, yeah. and Black Panther punches him around a bit, <laughs> like he did in the last issue. Um, I did wonder how how Spider Man would have known Karate Kid that well, but maybe he grew up watching it on video, because as of now, with Marvel's sliding timeline, yeah. Spider-Man will have only been born in the late 80s. Well, I've seen it. That's true. Could you quote it, though? Wax on, wax off. There you go. Everyone knows the wax on, wax off bit. Um, we're back to normal for the next couple of pages. So, yeah, I did like Jason Aaron gave us quite a lot to read in this yeah. one, which was good. Nice touch that the X-Men are not affected by the Phoenix Force. And you start to see what Cap has been talking about absolute power corrupting absolutely Emma Frost even seems to realise it on page 14 of this issue where she has retreated to where she can hear nobody because her psychic powers are just starting to overwhelm her with having the Phoenix Force enhance them and she almost begs Scott to stop her before she does something I read that as her begging him to kill her yeah 
but he, she kind of foolishly does it after he's left. Yeah. So that seemed a bit strange. It's a bit like how Scott just ignores her. Yeah, he doesn't seem to have a lot of time for Emma. No. Given that, you know, he's nailing her at every available opportunity. Uh, but the fact that she's a backstabbing witch yeah. probably doesn't help. Um, on the next page, she does actually go a little bit too far. Yeah. She takes the law into her own hands, murdering somebody in front of his family, because in 1987 he killed a mutant. Accidentally, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, there are interesting philosophical questions raised in this one page about does murdering a murderer make it okay? Um. <laughs> they kind of they kind of touch on that in Dexter every week. Yeah. Just because Dexter's likable, he's still a murderer. Yeah. But most of the people that he murders are the scum of the earth, so they kind of get away with it. Apart from in this last series, but we won't spoil that for people who have not seen it. Um, Aurora Munro, also known as Storm, seems genuinely upset on page sixteen by both the destruction of Wakanda and the annulment of her marriage. Again. Despite the fact the series has had some kick-ass action scenes and fights, there are genuine moments of characterisation that both make sense and allow the reader to see both sides of this particular fight. I thought Black Panther's backhanded slap was a bit funny. Where it's like, ah, Maris has been annulled by the High Panther Priest, but you are. Go away, Storm. Oh, see, I felt a bit sorry for her. Although I've quite liked Black Panther in this. Yeah. T'Challa's been really well characterised in this as somebody who is very much caught between the situation and the fact that he runs a country. Yeah. So there are certain political motivations that may be ascribed to what he does that he wants to stay away from because yeah. he's the de facto leader of a country. But that doesn't mean he doesn't agree or disagree with those sides. He's just kind of having to go, uh, no, I really need to stay out of this because I don't want Wakanda drawn into it. But then, of course, Wakanda got destroyed. So, so it didn't work out too well. So it didn't work out too well for him. Uh, Magic gives away legs. I thought it was Colossus who did that. Is it? Oh, yeah, she says, what have you been doing here, brother? Yeah. And he says, I thought the whales might like it if I gave them legs, but I'm afraid I forgot they weren't very good at breathing on land. Well done, Colossus. I... Way to interfere with evolution. I didn't like that, really. Did you not? No, because it strikes me as stupid, and I don't see Colossus as stupid. You don't see Colossus as being stupid? Yeah. Oh, okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll defer to you. I did like the next panel, where they're all webbed up by those funny little hentai tentacle things. Yeah. That always look like they're going to attack you. It was a good panel, that. I like that. This wasn't a bad issue at all. Um, I like the ending to this one. There's a brilliant full-page splash on page 20 when the Avengers arrive and Aaron knows when to not put word balloons in as well as when to put word balloons in and just let the art speak for itself. Um, Spider-Man holds back Colossus and Magic on pages 24 through 26 and my God, does he take a pound in. He gets the snot kicked out of him, doesn't he? He's still cracking wise. But Colossus, infused with the Phoenix Force, is just brutally pounding on him. The punch to the face on the bottom of page 24 is especially savage. That's Judge Dredd to you. It is almost beware the the fist of Dredd, isn't it? Yeah. Because that really does look like he's just smashed Spider-Man's face in. Like, how can he still function after that? I, I think they went a bit farther. Yeah. 
maybe they should have cut the panel so you didn't actually see what you did to him. Have you seen his face bend inwards? Yeah, because although the, there is an implication that he's broke his nose or whatever afterwards, the art on that page makes it look like he's just destroyed his face. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. So, as much as it was, ow, maybe they went a bit too far on that one. Mm. Because you are thinking, how the hell is he going to be able to talk after that? Or do anything. Or do anything. Um, and yet, despite that huge punch to the face, Colossus makes it quite clear on pages 25 and 26 that he's holding back. Mm. And he doesn't really want to hurt Spider-Man. Peter Rasputin still holds on to some semblance of humanity, while Magic is just saying, oh, just kill him and be done with it. And all the bickering with each other as brother and sister, which brother and sisters do, as you well know. Um, and Spider-Man latches onto this, so even though he's being yeah. beaten, he still uses his brain. And like Iago whispering into Othello's ear, he manages to get them to fight amongst themselves, and thus, the Phoenix Force flees their bodies. Unfortunately, this means that Cyclops has more power. Which is a shame. But again, we get a wonderful double-page spread of... How would you describe those panels? None of them are a traditional square panel. Web-shaped? Do you think? See, I oh. thought more like um, the windows in a church. The okay. stained glass... That looks to me like a stained glass window painting. Or Spider-Man's crushed skull. Or Spider-Man's crushed skull. Because he really... I don't remember this being reflected in the main Spider-Man book at all. Well, that he had his skull crushed. Well, that he was beaten this... If he was beaten this badly... And there's a panel there where he gets his back stood on. Yeah. I would have thought this would have been mentioned in mainstream continuity. Whereas the Amazing Spider-Man book just kind of just ignored that all this was going on. Didn't it? Yeah. And just... Uh, that's happening over there. Um, well, that happened quite a, a lot during Civil War. Yeah. When um, directly after Civil War, Aunt May got shot. Directly after that, him and Gwen Stacy, um, no, Mary Jane split up, right? Mm. Okay, but in the um, Spider-Man title and the Aven- no, in the Avengers title, where he was an Avenger, he was wearing his black costume and married to Mary Jane for months after uh, one moment in time. He didn't split up with Mary Jane, did he? Okay, I thought the, they went into they didn't hiding. Exist. No, I no, don't remember after that. After one moment in time. So after one moment in time, he was still going. He was still. His- Married, married to, to Mary Jane yeah. in the Avengers. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm glad they worked all that out, man. So, before Brand New Day. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, maybe at the same time. Ben just following everyone's playbook, though, then. Yeah. As usual. Well, we've noticed unless he doesn't. No, no, he doesn't. See, it doesn't matter when he's in charge of the story, though, does it? No. To be honest with you. Um, uh, this was my favourite issue of the series, so far. I thought it was awesome. Excellently structured in both visuals and writing with the foreshadowing at the start paying off at the end and the pages even being laid out the same with a number of two-page spreads at the beginning and then at the end of the book. Masterfully done. This chapter of a multi-part arc not only stands alone even with that superior cliffhanger of Cyclops showing up now even more empowered by the Phoenix Force, but it works as a single-issue story. If you've not read any other issues of Avengers vs. X-Men, it really doesn't matter. This one stands alone. It was brilliant. It kind of does. I thought it was great. Did you not like it? Well, no, I'm saying I don't think you could read it as a single issue. Do you not? No. See, I think this work, This could have been a tie-in issue with The Amazing Spider-Man, and it would have worked as that. Yeah, but you wouldn't have known why all the phoenixes are like that. No, you wouldn't have known any of that, which is why I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah. But it would have worked as that. I wonder if Jason Aaron's going to write any more Spider-Man. 
Although I suppose it doesn't really matter in the work of Amazing Spider-Man 700, does it? I've not read it. I've not read it yet, but I guess... You know what happens anyway. I, yeah, but I guessed how it was going to end two months ago. I just didn't tell you, because you were like, well, I've not read the last ten issues. So even with knowing that that's the way it's going to go, and you're like, but they wouldn't be stupid enough to do that, would they? But it's I can't talk to you about it yet. It's a stupid decision. Yes, but I can't talk to you about it yet, because you've not read it yet. So we'll move swiftly on to whatever's next. <laughs> when we've both read it, we'll do a preamble about that. Because uh, that, that may be me out, to be honest with you. What, out to read Spider-Man? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I've got the first six issues of Superior Spider-Man ordered, because we have to work, we get a mail order, so you have to order them. It might change your mind. It may make me change my mind, but, you know, there's there's a certain there's a certain threshold with Spider-Man I will not cross. And they've kind of they've kind of touched that threshold with Amazing Spider-Man 700. That bad? Yeah. But we'll see, you know. I'm open to it. Yeah. You know. Death of Superman, everyone was like, can't kill Superman off. But so it's that bad. He came back, and Batman, you can't replace Batman with Jean-Paul Valley, and that worked out quite well in the short term as an overall story. So I'm willing to give them a chance. Yeah. But, you know... Anyway, but we're not doing a, a podcast about Amazing Spider-Man 700. No, we're not. We're not. What are we doing next, Michael? Well, next is Avengers vs. X-Men Infinite, issue 10, entitled Hopeless. Uh, this issue was written by Mark Wade and Yves Bigrel, with pencil and inks by Riley Brown, and done by other people. <laughs> and some other people did some other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Which we can't be bothered reading because there's about 408 different names in these credits. But they, they all had a hand in making this. And we don't want to be like the end of Lord of the Rings where the credits go on for 25 minutes. Yes. Uh, with a device created by Tony, he and Beast project Scarlet Witch's thoughts to show every possible outcome of fighting the Phoenixes in the battleground of Cut The three strongest outcomes focus on Iron Man, Thor and Wolverine. However, all possibilities end with Cyclops winning. With the Avengers hopeless, Hope walks into the room and Tony realises that he forgot to factor her in. She isn't a plan, she's the plan. I like what you did though. With the Avengers hopeless. Yes. And then who walks in through the door? Hope. Yeah. Very good. I'm very impressed with that. I mean, granted it was in the actual story, yeah, but yeah. I'm still impressed by the way you wrote that. That's it. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh, right. Um... This one was alright. It was a bit filler, this one, wasn't it? Yeah. I still don't even know where it takes place. No. I mean, it's it's wedged in after Avengers vs. X-Men 10. Yeah. But we're covering after number 9. Was that a, an artistic reason on your part? Or did you yeah. read something that it said... Yeah, it makes more sense, though. Alright, okay. Again, it's a fine example of a digital comic. And I do like the, the movement of people's mouths as well. Yeah. When they talk digitally. Because I went on to a big tirade last week, so I'm not going to do it again, about how a digital comic is not just a comic scanned in. And this is a proper digital comic. And I liked it. I enjoyed reading it, because Mark Wade's a good enough writer that he can probably get me to go anything. I like that the multiple hex probabilities all ended in Cyclops winning. I like how the... Go uh, how they're told. Yeah, they split into three panels. It's split into three panels across whatever digital device you're reading it on, um, and the fight scene between Cyclops and Wolverine is really good. 
and I love the bit at the end where it's the computer comes up defeated and it's Wolverine at the bottom and then you swipe across and then it's Iron Man at the bottom and then it's Thor at the bottom yeah. so whichever way they look at it the Avengers are screwed and then like you say Hope walks in through the door and Scarlet Witch goes what? and the, the panels morph into Cyclops being the one that's dead at the bottom of the screen but the figure that's won is all blurred out Yeah. so the outcome is still in doubt which I liked I'm not sure about the art in this one no um, it was you know it did its job didn't it yeah. it did what it should do it wasn't awful but again it was more an example of what a digital comic can do than a necessary part of the story you said they're in the, the graphic novel yeah they are because I didn't notice what have they done with them um, they've just restructured them so that they work as a landscape so do you have multiple panels page. that are the same no for like bits were in the digital comic what will happen is you'll end up with essentially the same image but people's eyes will change and the mouth will change and the backgrounds change as different speech bubbles come on yeah. what have they done that in the comic they just made it one they've just made it one big panel yeah. with multiple speech bubbles and different backgrounds and stuff yeah they've All reworked right. it so that it fits as a as a comic book yeah. alright fair enough I'll have to have a look at that and see what I think of it mm. What was next, Michael? Avengers vs. X-Men 10, once again, has a Jimmy Chung cover. This time of Cyclops in front of a giant Scarlet Witch head. An Andy Kubert cover of Hope punching a badly photoshopped purple Cyclops. A Nick Bradshaw cover of the Avengers assembling with a black and white variant. A Humberto Ramos cover of Spider-Woman and Gambit fighting along with team variants. They were alright. Yeah. <clears throat> well, go on, tell us what happens in this one. Iron Fist leaps to attack Scott as Hope runs away, but is taken down quickly. As Scott progresses through Cotton Lun, Iron Man uses everything he's got and flies at Scott. Meanwhile in Russia, Xavier decides to leave the Avengers to return to the X-Men, ensuring the mutant kind does not fall with the Phoenixes. And in Utopia, Emma is forcing the mutants living there to worship her before Magneto speaks to her. Magneto says he disagrees with the Phoenix's use of power, but Emma brings up Magneto's past, including the death of Genosha, and leaves. Back in Kunlun, Hope finds Lei Kung in the cave and begins her final trial. Outside, Scott takes down Iron Man but is attacked by Thor, the Thing, and Hawkeye, who, who he beats before he's then attacked by Hope and Lei Kung, riding on a dragon that's harnessing the power source of Kunlun, Shao Leo. <laughs> That, is that not just Lao? Because it it's spelled be. like Lao She in Shao Lao. Shao Lao. Yeah. Yeah. I will not do an offensive accent. That's <laughs> it once defeated the Phoenix. However, this dragon is taken down by Scott. Hope absorbs the dragon's mystical fire breath and uses it on Scott before panicking and running away, finding herself bumping into Iron Man, the Scarlet Witch, and Beast. Scott follows and Wanda uses all her powers to try and stop him but nothing happens until Hope absorbs his powers and punches him into space. Scott lands on the moon and after taking an hour to recover flies to Emma for more power. In Kunlun the rest of the Avengers arrive and Tony says he knows where Hope's power came from and in the bowels of Utopia Magneto reaches out for help from Xavier. Mm. We're all kicking off now. Yeah. Now they finally brought Professor X in. I've been wondering where he's been in. Well, he showed up on Utopia for a bit. Yeah, and then he just kind of disappeared again, didn't he? Yeah. And then he kind of shows up again, and then he, he kind of disappears again. He was in a couple of times. Was he? Yeah. Because I was, I was thinking, wouldn't Professor X have something to say about all of this? But, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, pages two and three. I've pointed out before that Cyclops' Phoenix costume looks like it has a huge arrow pointing towards his meat and two veg. No is this more apparent than on the double page spread we're bathed in the phoenix light 
he looks like he's wearing a G-string. Well, it's, it's the costume is pretty cool until you get to that. Yeah. Because with the whole phoenix light, it does look pretty mm-hmm. cool. Except on that panel, where he yeah. looks like he should be saying, slide some dollars in the waistband. That's just not right. No. I don't want to see Cyclops' meat and two veg in my comic books. Thank you very much. Um, Cap's prophecy of the Phoenix Force corrupting everybody starts to blossom as Cyclops takes out Iron Man and Iron Fist and anyone else who starts with Iron without breaking a sweat and Emma Frost starts ruling her people including Magneto with an Iron Fist symbolism of the two moments are not lost on the reader are they? with Magneto obviously reliving history because he still has the whole he was a concentration camp survivor backstory and all this doesn't he? yeah so I'm presuming that that's a... Uh, it kind of fits into Emma's character that she'd do something like this. Yes, because we've already seen it set up that she's feeling that this is corrupting her. Yeah. But let's face it, Emma doesn't need much corrupting in the first place, does she? No. She's already... Wasn't she... She was a bad guy originally, wasn't she? She was in the Hellfire Club. Yeah. How did she end up being an X-Men? Is that Morrison's run that I've not read? No. Or was she in the X-Men that. before that? Yeah. Right, well, as we've established, I've not read the X-Men since Mark Silvestri was on it. Yeah. The first time. Yes. So that's going back a good two decades. Well, the thing is, not only is Magneto reliving history through the concentration camp thing, but, like, years before this, Magneto was in the same place as Emma. Yes, when he was leader of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yeah. And I love that they have the word evil in the name. Just, just, just <laughs> know. So you know what side of the fence we're on. Yeah. <laughs> we're the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. That's fair enough. They just changed that to, to mutants, didn't they, in the film? Yeah. I think that lost something, to be honest with you. Um... The day is saved, as Michael pointed out. By a dragon. On page 14, at last, a dragon. Dragons are cool. Yeah. And it's a double-page spread. Was it supposed to be something to do with Lockheed? Or is it just that Wakanda has dragons? No, it's just that there's a dragon there. Yeah. It's not Wakanda. No, it isn't, is it? It's, no. it's the savage land that would have dragons anyway. I'm mixing up my... my, my and now I'm mixing up my words. Yeah. I'm mixing up my Wakandas with my savage lands. It's still cool to see a dragon, though. And the colouring yeah. on that page is awesome. His mouth being all that glowy kryptonite green is really good. I was very impressed with that one. Um, it's beginning to look a lot like Scarlet, which won't be the deus ex machina. I was afraid she would be. Yeah, because essentially it takes too much out of her to take down one of them, as established in the last issue. In this issue, it's Hope that beats Cyclops quite easily. Yeah. And then at the end of it, she's all very... Um, where did Cyclops go? What yeah. did I do? Which I liked. I liked the ending to this one. And then on page 21, we get a nine-panel grid yeah. of a kind that Ditko used to do. Well, the um, Watcher just shows up. Yeah, the Watcher's just there watching, isn't yeah. it? For the first time ever, the Watcher shows up and doesn't say, I mustn't interfere, <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. In this one, he just watches and doesn't bother getting, getting interfering, which is really good. Um... I didn't have a lot to say about this one. No. To be honest with you. In comparison to the last issue. Yeah. I was a little confused with the ending, like, what does Hope do? So I put down she just absorbs Scott's powers, but what exactly does she do? I mean, she glows green a bit, so it could be the power source. Well, you're supposed to think that as well, because the character's thinking that. The character actually says, what did I just do? Yeah. So she doesn't know what she's done. But whatever she's done, Iron Man's very happy about it. Because Tony starts like, you just missed the turning point. Yeah. When Captain America arrived late to the party. As he always did. Because he's been frozen in a block of ice. He looks a little upset, years. though. Yeah, he's like, well, I missed the fun. Yeah. Which is quite a shame. Um, structurally, 
the story enters the last act in the way that good action stories do. The pieces are all in place for the final act twist, which in this case is, it's not Scarlet Witch who will save the day, it's Hope. Scott and Emma will be the last mutants standing, as even the mutants on their side have started to realise that Scott and Emma are crossing a line. I would have liked to have seen more of Magneto's opinion on this, given that for years he was labelled as a mutant terrorist who wanted nothing less than the subjugation of Homo sapien in favour of Homo superior, but now seems to be the one calling on Charles Xavier for help. I, I have to say, I, I wasn't a fan of misunderstood Magneto. Why not? No, for me that's where Clermont started to lose me in his X-Men run. Whilst it did give Magneto some depth to tie his origins to World War II, I actually think that starts to date the character somewhat now. Yeah. Because it feels like we've lost a good bad guy in the process. Mm. I do. I always wonder if they didn't take Magneto off the table as a bad bad guy, because he, realistically he could wipe the floor with pretty much everybody. Yeah. He was a very powerful mutant. What was the whole misunderstood thing? The guy he'd like almost killed all of Manhattan and enslaved all of he us went misunderstood. Through, yeah, he went through the whole does the whole the trial of Magneto arc in the Clermont Romita Junior era of X-Men. I think it was around issue two hundred. Because the X-Men went to Paris for his trial before the UN, yeah. I think. And they did actually go to a great deal explaining that he was misunderstood because he'd seen the subjugation of people in World War II and in the concentration camps, and he was trying to avoid that by killing people, apparently. Oh, okay. So that's where he did start to... Because at some point as well, further down the line from that, Magneto takes over the running of the X-Men yeah. and the mansion from Charles. But this was all in Clermont's stuff. And after the smith Ramita stuff, Clermont's run just kind of blurs yeah. all into one and then you kind of forget what have I read and what have I not read or what have I just read about subsequently and all of that stuff but I remember Magneto did have a trial in the Romita Jr. issues um, this issue to get back to what we were talking about isn't as compelling as the previous issue but it did the job it mm. moves everything around to where everything needs to be for what I'm presuming is going to be the big finale in issue 11 and 12 which uh, I presume will be coming up next at some point, after Michael tells us about some tie-ins. Well, Wolverine and the X-Men 15 and 16 cover the Jean Grey school preparations to fight the Phoenix and how the Hellfire Club has been affected from the, by the Phoenixes. Next is the Avengers vs. X-Men 11, which is a Jimmy Chung cover which shows Emma and Scott fighting in front of the Avengers and X-Men. It is a cover by Sarah Pacelli of Scott and Emma choking each other and a black and white version. A Lionel U cover of Psylocke fighting the Black Widow and the two team variants. I like the main cover. Do you? Yeah, because it's the only one I really looked at properly. Fair enough. I like, uh, is, that, is that Hope versus? No, that's, you've already said that's Emma Frost style, I guess. Um, again, Emma Frost doesn't wear a lot on that cover, does she? No. And her spine seems to bend in a way that isn't consistent with human musculature. And Scott Summers seems to have lost a lot of weight. Yeah. But he was always called Slim, so... He doesn't seem to have his... He doesn't seem to have his crotch on either. No. Which is nice. I'm yeah. glad that he's finally realised that that's a mistake and took that off. He's got an ass pad, but... He, well, judging by that cover, Emma Frost's going to hand him his ass, so maybe that's why. Yeah. Um, this issue was by Brian Vendis, with pencils by Olivia Coypel, with inks by Max Morales. The Avengers gather in a desert, and Cap begs the Hulk to help them fight Scott, and he agrees. 
Rogue tracks an energy signature that leads her to an old Avengers portal. She turns to the Avengers, and with Xavier's confirmation, the Avengers recruit her <coughs> and tell her to help them recruit all the other X-Men. On Utopia, Emma tries to convince Scott to burn the world down and rebuild it in their image. But Scott senses something and teleports to Professor Xavier, who tells him to stop. Scott refuses, and the Avengers, X-Men, and Emma appear and begin fighting. Cap tells the Avengers and X-Men to keep the fight contained and concentrate on Scott and Emma only. Scott is almost beaten until he uses all of his power to almost kill Emma and take her half of the Phoenix, and uses all of the Phoenix Force to kill Xavier. All the Avengers and X-Men are left to panic as Scott turns into the Dark Phoenix. We didn't see that coming. No, no, not at all. Um, that was arguably the most predictable part of this entire 12-issue storyline, wasn't it? Yeah. That at some point Cyclops is going to become Dark Phoenix. Um, where to begin? I like the opening pages. Yeah. Where Captain America is going to the Hulk, metaphorical cap in hand, and imploring him to forget the differences. You know, the whole firing him off to another planet during Civil War. That wasn't Cap, was it? No, no, but he is now on the same side as the people that did that. Yeah. Although, where are the Fantastic Four in all of this? I know the uh, things here, but Reed Richards, Sue Richards and Johnny Storm are nowhere to be seen in any of this, are they? It's, not a, it's Avengers vs. X-Men, not Avengers Fantastic Four. But right, here's the thing. You've got this big almighty force. Yeah. You need the greatest brain on the planet... To, to sort something out why so not call Tony why not give Reed Richards a call has Tony forgot his phone number and um, negative zone stuff oh, is he off in the negative zone yeah uh, I do wonder if in the FF they were off somewhere but that wouldn't explain where the thing, why the thing was here I don't know what the FF were up to why Avengers vs X-Men was going on things in Avenger now he's also the Fantastic Four yeah so the but Fantastic Four won't have been off doing something without the thing they could have I suppose they could have been doing maybe they don't need a pirate that's true. I don't remember what the FF were up to. Why this was? It would have been Jonathan Hickman's run, wasn't oh, it? We weren't reading Hickman's run. No, so I don't know what the FF were up to. Unless they did like Spider-Man did and just ignored it. Probably. That's very possible, isn't it? Um, I do like the... You get a full page of Captain America talking to what looks like nobody. So it basically looks like he's praying. Yeah. Is what it is. Well, I think it's what you're led to believe. Well, that's what you're led to believe, yes. Oliver Corpiel's artwork of Captain America is awful. I'm sorry, that looks like the guy at Universal Studios. It doesn't look like Captain America. In fact, the guy at Universal Studios looked better than that. Okay. To be honest with you. You just don't like the art. I, I don't dislike Oliver Copia. Was Cap's star from his back gone? No, I don't. Has he got rid of that? He must have. Because it's not that. And then when you get a full page splash of the Hulk going, Hulk will smash for you. And you're like, excellent. He's a pretty big Hulk. He's a very big Hulk. But then they don't do anything with it. Do he shows up for a bit. Shows up for a bit and that's it. Punches Scott and then yeah. disappears. And then runs away. I was expecting like the end of the Avengers movie. Yeah. I thought we were going to see some Hulk smashing. Well, they didn't say smash for how long. Yeah, they just said show up, punch somebody and yeah. leave. Each guy's just about <laughs> smash. <laughs> I love that idea. Smash for hire. At the end of the battle, he hands the Avengers yeah. an invoice for how many smashes he did. And how much he charges per smash depending upon A, how many people were involved and B, how many fists he had to use and there's an extra special one if he does that hand clap thing yeah. that's an extra and he charges more for that I do love that idea Hulk for hire <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of him handing an invoice in Tony start processing it and making sure he gets paid 
<laughs> oh, you've tickled me with that. That's quite funny. That's Mark Waid's next story, yeah. Is it? Yeah. That'd be pretty good. And Mark Waid's Indestructible Hulk is very good. Is it? And I was thinking the other day that if, if this does cause me to cut ties with Spider-Man, I will only be reading Daredevil and Hulk. Yeah. From Marvel, and what that's about, it. What about Cap? I'm, I'm on the fence with Cap. Right. I'll have to. I'll give it a story arc. Second issue, not as good as the first. It's not that it's not as good as the first. It's just you're like, I'm not sure about this. It's yeah. not awful by any means, but better than Uncanny Avengers. It's much better than Uncanny Avengers. <clears throat> uh, page seven of this issue is another double page splash. Splash. It's a double page splash. Come to City Walk. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that came from. Um. This is a great coming together moment. Whilst it was pretty neat to see Rogue be the one to make overtures to Professor X, Iceman saying it had all the more impact for those of us old enough to remember the X-Men before they were all new and all different. I also love the exchange between Cap and Charles, which was basically... um, Xavier says, I can read the thoughts, Stuck, each and every one. They have what we need. And Cap says, numbers? And Xavier says... Passion. Yeah, well, they need numbers more than passion. Well, they do, but passion will take you a long way. And there's some lovely shots in there of, like, um, Captain America shaking hands with... Is that Havoc. Havoc? He seems to have got rid of the silly hat yeah. that he used to wear when I used to read the X-Men. And um, Spider-Man's made a miraculous recovery yeah. from that beating that he took the other day. See, that's my only problem with comic books being more realistic in the depiction of violence they've not got more realistic in, in how long yeah in the depiction of how long it takes to recover yeah so suddenly Spider-Man's back on his feet and everything's funky spider Spiderfall, spider quest spider's end <laughs> I would read that story <laughs> in fact that may be what he's doing now in yeah Amazing Spider-Man. but you know we'll just have to to wait and see about that um I did think Professor Xavier had come out of nowhere yeah He's not been part of the main story apart from a brief cameo, but like I, I was talking about this earlier before we got to this issue, it does make sense. Cyclops has essentially taken Charles's dream and twisted it into something he never wanted or intended. And the body language on this page is what really sells it. Cyclops is all posture and preening on page 10 and 11 because it's a double page spread again. Um... And Charles is just nonchalantly stood with his hands in his, his pockets. All casual, like. Yeah. All like, I'm shutting you down. You don't have the power. Yeah. I do, Scott. And it's you do get the impression it's all very civilised on Xavier's side. When did Charles get his legs back? Oh. Because, again, that's something that would happen in Claremont's run, and then he was back in the wheelchair, and then he was out the wheelchair, and then he was in the wheelchair. He was out of them in Morrison's run. Was he? But in them... In Whedon's run. Right. Yes, he was in the wheelchair in Astonishing X-Men, wasn't he? Yeah. So we've, we've no idea when that no. happened. All right, fair enough. Maybe one of those AR things that we didn't bother with this time around. Yeah. Told us about it. Um, I, I, I like this scene. I love I like this scene. I like the colouring, I like the setting, I like Charles. Mm, I like that it's taking place on a beach at sunset. Yeah. So you've got the symbolism there that the sun is setting on Cyclops' reign. Mm. And Cyclops is... Manic, isn't he? He's over the edge. I think it, it represents the child father bit here. Mm. With, like, Scott yelling and shouting and all that, whereas Xavier's just like, dude, it's chill, man. 
Yeah, because Scott basically berates him. Yeah. And, and Davy's just like, you won't do anything to me, I can take you down yeah, easily. Yeah, because Cyclops basically accuses Avi of having a huge ego. Yeah. And says, I finally put the world away it's supposed to be. I did it! Me! And it kills you! And um, you, Xavier's all calm and relaxed and you sit and judge me and you did nothing. You sat in that chair for years. You come here and threaten me? Shame on you! And then it's like, Professor Xavier plays the, the trump card. Yeah. When after all of this, he just says, I'm ashamed of you. Which is probably the cruelest thing you could possibly say to him at this point. Because he thinks he's fulfilling Charlie's dream here. Yeah. Which, you know... How he's going about doing it is what Charles stood against for so long. Mm-hmm. Or sat against. Depends on your point of view. But still. And then his Phoenix powers start fading. And on the next page we get a glorious two-page spread of the Avengers and the X-Men reunited to take down Cyclops. And again, you've just got Xavier sat there. Sat there. Stood, stood there. Up. I'm not used to him being stood up. Yeah. Just all casual, like, yeah, just fights going on. He's got his hands in his pockets, he's not wearing a costume of any kind. He's not even drawn to look like Patrick Stewart, which I quite liked. Yeah. Because that irks me when they start drawing the character to look like the actor. Uh, And then the fight kicks off. Which, given that this series has been one long extended fight scene and we've had no problems with any of that... This is one long extended fight scene. No, no, in this one I wanted to see more of the the Cyclops Professor X conversation. Hmm. Because this is one of those moments where Bendis does excel. He gets beneath the skins of the character and his dialogue scenes are riveting. Yeah. But you are waiting for the fight. But when the fight comes, you're a little bit disappointed this time around. I'm very hard to please, aren't I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially when it comes to Bendis. Especially when it comes to Bendis, yeah. The man can do no right. No, when he's good, he's very good. Yeah. And when he's bad, he's... It's just all the other time. He's writing the adventures. I thought you liked his adventure. I do. I can just see all the faults in it. All right, that's fair enough. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I love the bit where the Hulk just pounding Emma Frost into the floor. That was great. Ah, Captain America in his shield. Just going to say, I love that bit as well. Um, Cyclops fires off his eye blast. His eye blasts at Professor Xavier. Professor X, who still just stood there with his hands in his pockets, and Cap gets in front of him and uses his shield to shield him. And it's an awesome panel of the eye blast going around the shield. Mm. It's pretty damned awesome. Really, really. In fact, the entire fight scene is very good. The Hulk just sneaks up behind Emma Frost. How exactly did he pull that off? The sound from the fight. You think? And she's just not paying enough attention. And he just smacks her over the head and pounds her into the floor like she's a nail. And he's a hammer. Which was hysterical because they don't like Emma Frost. (laughs) So I quite liked. Uh, and I loved the bit with Spider-Woman and Hawkeye, which I thought was very funny. Um, Hawkeye fires an arrow right into the nape of Cyclops' neck from behind. Mm. And the next panel, we get this lovely little exchange from Spider-Woman. Nice shot, Hawkeye. And Hawkeye's like, he's going to kill me. And Spider-Woman's probably, but still nice shot. Yeah. Which I thought was quite a nice little moment of humour. In the big fight. Also on page 19, why does Iceman now look like Jack Frost? He's looked like this for a while. Since when? For a while. Just for a while? Yeah. Right. I don't remember when. Right. He was the abominable snowman and then the naked man of blue. 
and now he looks like he's got horns. all this horns sticking out of him and, and everything. Yeah, okay. Uh, have you read the new Hawkeye series by Matt Fraction? No. It is the awesome. Is it? Yeah, I've read the first six issues. You, you said? It's brilliant. Several times. Especially the issue with, 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 with the, the Italian job minis yeah. and the Dodge Challenger. That is the best one they've done so far. It's awesome. And there's brilliant trick arrows in it as well. He's been cataloguing all these trick arrows. Okay. And he's supposed to label them all. And he goes out for some labels and gets embroiled in a mystery. So his, la- his arrows aren't labelled. So the girl Hawkeye, whose name I've forgotten, who yeah. was Hawkeye when he was dead, is giving him these trick arrows. And he's saying, give me the, the net arrow. And she gives him the wrong one because they're not labelled. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant issue. I heartily encourage you to read Hawkeye number three, okay. even if you've not read any of the others. But number one was brilliant as well. Um, this issue... Yeah. God, we're tangential. We are. Oh. Um, I thought this was pretty damn good. I really did enjoy it. The yeah. ending was spoiled for me. Like for everyone, really. Um, yeah, I think it was spoiled for me some while ago. Um, but it didn't prevent the overall impact of reading the actual story and seeing history repeat. I can't help but think this is what was on Magneto's mind when he contacted Charles a few years ago, those not learning from history are, contem- are condemned to repeat it. And Magneto no doubt saw not only parallels with the rise of fascism and the 30s, but Cyclops succumbing to the Phoenix Force. The ending really does make it look like it's not looking good for Cap's team, yeah. even though the odds are in their favour. Um, I liked Wolverine's reaction to this. Yeah. It's Wolverine who reacts to the fact that he's just killed Charlie. And he asks Hulk to to throw him. Fastball special. And Cyclops just fries him before he even gets there. Mm. And he finally succumbs to the Phoenix Force. And becomes Dark Phoenix after he's killed Charles Xavier. Yeah. It was really good. It I was. really enjoyed it. There is still that worry that having it ruined didn't ruin the story no I was quite interested because going into this I knew they killed Professor Xavier yeah and that I think that's why I was quite surprised that he didn't play such a big part in the story yeah I was expecting this to be some he was the leader of the anti-cyclops league for want of a better phrase yeah and ultimately he would get killed as part of that but he's not is he he's barely in this series prior to these this issue and the last issue and then he makes one other appearance in one other issue. Yeah. I know you've said he's in the tie-ins, but his appearance in this is kind of... They kind of bring him out to play as the, the big weapon, and it just doesn't go well. Yeah. But I liked it. I thought it was really good. Does any of the tie-ins follow up on this? Um, well, Uncanny X-Men 18 shows the telepathic meal Scott and Emma had uh, with each other during the battle and, shows, and expands on Scott's reasons for killing Emma. He's not so, killed Emma. Well, he's drained the Phoenix did. Force from he her. He almost kills her. Right. But he doesn't actually kill her. Okay. Avengers vs. X-Men 12 has an epic Jim Chung cover of Iron Man flying upwards with the Avengers and X-Men behind him. An Adam Kubert cover of Jean Grey's The Dark Phoenix. A Jerome Opina cover of The Phoenix Rising Above the Fallen Avengers and X-Men. A pencil variant. An Adi Granoff cover of Iron Man fighting Magneto and the team variants. I like the main cover. Oh, yeah. That's, I think that's, that's the, best the best one. Yeah. That is pretty damn good, that. Very good indeed. Mm. Am I going to have to put all of these covers on the website? No. Just the main yeah. ones? Yeah, put, put all of them. <laughs> You'll have to find them for me, then. That takes forever. Yeah. You find them for me, I'll put them up. 
A long time ago, Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, said no more mutants, and billions of mutants across the world lost their powers. The Phoenix Force sensed this and decided to make more mutants, and so Hope was born to become the Phoenix Force's host when it arrives. Wanda's powers and the Phoenix Force work together in equal force to create a yin-yang effect, which is where the Kunlun, Iron Fist and Faith fit in. The power of the Dark Phoenix is too much, and destroys the world, so the Avengers and X-Men not only have to fight Scott across the world, but also save people from disasters. Tony and Cap send a call out to all the Avengers and X-Men to ground Scott for one last plan, and so Nova rockets down and smashes him into the ground, but Scott emerges from the smoke holding a beaten Nova. Wanda and Hope use their powers together on Scott and manage to beat him. Scott begs them to kill him, but the Phoenix rages until it sees Jean Grey tell him to stop. Wanda and Hope beat Scott, but Hope sees the Phoenix go to her. She flies around the world with the power of the Phoenix and fixes it. The White Phoenix returns to the Avengers where she deems herself as the fixer of the world, but Wanda tells her that the Phoenix chose Hope because she was the only one who could let it go, and together Wanda and Hope say no more Phoenix. The Phoenix then splits apart and creates thousands of mutants across the world. As it does, Scott wakes up. Scott is arrested, and the other four ex-Phoenixes are wanted. Cap puts together a team that is made up of Avengers and X-Men, and Wolverine and Cap leave Scott's cell and prepare Xavier's eulogy. Uh, this one was written by Jason Aaron. <laughs> yes, yes it was. Um, Penciled by Adam Kubert and inked by John... Del Morales. John no, Del John Dell with, with Mark Morales and Adam Cubert. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've not done a terribly good job of that. No. <laughs> it's because I've not written the credits in, because there's too many. Because there is too many. You should have just put, wrote each one. That yeah. would have done, really. Um, given that I've complimented the structuring of many of these issues, I have to say, given the cliffhanger of the last issue, I didn't really want this to start with a flashback. I just wanted it to get on with it. But it helps that there is one. It does help that there is a flashback at the beginning. Because um, the build-up to this has been fine so far with just the right amount of teasing and setup, Especially as this has been 12 issues. So to kick the last issue off with a bit of a flashback felt retrograde when I was reading it. But you are right, it does work in terms of the story. Again, there's a gorgeous two-page splash of the first two pages. I like the body language of all the heroes. Yeah. Hawkeye's just kind of lounging around, Black Widow's sitting. I love the thing. Yeah. With his arms crossed and his legs crossed, and he's like, just, can we get on with it, please? Can I just smash stuff? Um, where's the Green Hulk gone? Or is this before they went and got him? This is before they went and got him. Because the Red Hulk's there. But he didn't really do much either, did he, Red Hulk? No. He's not. I was quite disappointed with, with the Red Hulk's contribution to this particular story. Um, I did like the line, the Earth doesn't die on our watch. Yeah. Which I thought was brilliant. I like the, that, the double page spread of everyone fighting uh, the Dark Phoenix. On page eight. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he's... The thing's out. Iron Man's down. Thor's down. Hulk's. The Hulk's in the process of being down. Red Hulk's kind of fighting it off. There's only Iceman and Storm Red left. Red Hulk's just being attacked by uh, a volcano. Yeah, but isn't Dark Phoenix controlling all of that? Well, one would imagine he's he's fighting this war on two different fronts now. He's got the volcanoes attacking, attacking. You know what I mean? The volcano eruption he's got working for him, which I thought was nice. Um, what I, the one <coughs> thing I didn't get was how Scott was all over the world. He's Dark Phoenix. 
Okay, so he's super fast. Yeah, he's like Krypton. Yeah, all right then. <laughs> he's from Krypton. Is a work. There's a, an excuse that seems to work all the time yeah. in this house. Anyway, some of the art's very wonky in this issue. Yeah, which I was quite disappointed with. The shot of the Hulk on the last panel of page with nine. A huge mouth. With his huge mouth, he's got more teeth in that mouth than uh, somebody who has a lot of teeth. <laughs> Um, I had somebody in mind. Uh, cutaway guy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, yeah. <laughs> this is like the time. Um, but I'm, I'm not thinking of somebody who's got a lot of teeth. Um, page 22, especially Cat looks god awful on page 22. Um, the shot that you're talking about of Cyclops being around the world on pages 10, 11, 12, etc., he's not around the world. He's controlling stuff from where he is. No, he's there in Sydney. He's there in Sydney. But we don't see him in anywhere he's else. There in the he's Himalayas. there in the Himalayas. Oh yeah. All oh, right. See, no, you're right there. And how are the Avengers following him around then? If he's moving around so quickly. Since Thor seems to be in the Himalayas and then and the, in the upper limits of Earth's well, atmosphere. I suppose it's because he's being hit up there by Scott and then sent into the upper atmosphere. So the Hulk's been blown away to Sacramento. Spider-Man's ended up in Beijing. Cinder. Of all things. Yeah, Scott. he gets punched in Sydney and lands in Sacramento, which is pretty damn cool. Yeah. Oh, that's what the show is. The Thor gets blasted away in the Himalayas and ends up in the upper limits of Earth's atmosphere. Yeah. See, so what's happening then is... He's not everywhere. He's not in Paris, but he's controlling the fireballs of the volcanoes that have erupted because of his power are landing all around the world yeah so he's not in Paris but he is in Sydney yeah so he's not in Beijing or Sacramento but then at the same time as being in Sydney everyone else is also is still wherever they are yeah which I've forgotten outside of Utopia wasn't it was it outside Utopia yeah because it's where Xavier was well that's like then so how is the Red Hulk and the Green Hulk outside Utopia Yet the next thing we see is in Sydney fighting the Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Alright, you're making me think this didn't make much sense now. No. Whereas when I was reading it, I was just like, this is awesome! Yeah. And now you've got me thinking about it, which is your fault. Yeah, oh, okay. And I blame you. Well, I was just going to say time is different, so it could be at different times, but it's across uh, the world, so it would be at different times. Well, yeah, but yeah, you're right, it doesn't really explain how Dark Phoenix can be in multiple places at once. Unless it's a power of the Dark Phoenix. I don't remember it being a power of the Jean Grey Dark Phoenix. No. But she didn't really go anywhere other than out of space, didn't she? And then she died. Yeah. On the moon. So, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, we get lots of flashbacks to that as well. Yeah, I didn't like these flashbacks. I didn't like the art. The one at the beginning I thought was fine, but then it just, there's constant flashbacks all the way through it. All the way through the final fight scene where Cyclops is finally getting his head handed to him. Yeah. We get shots of him palling around with Wolverine while they're destroying the Sentinels. And he's wearing the 90s big pouches stuff around the top of his thighs. And him pushing Professor Xavier down the hallway of Avengers Mansion. Avengers Mansion. Mm. Um, X Mansion. Whatever it was called. School for the Gifted Youngsters. That's yeah. what it was called, wasn't it? And then um, the obligatory Dark Phoenix dying in his arms shot that George Perez would nick for Supergirl dying in Superman's arms in Crisis on Infinite Earths. And then... He melts and sees Jean. He sees Jean Grey and melts. Yeah. And the Phoenix leaves him as Scarlet Witch and Hope pound on him. And then we get the god-awful bit that I mentioned on page 22 where Cap looks terrible. Yeah. What's wrong with the art, though, Michael? 
different inkers. That's not just a different inker, that. That's a completely different artist. I don't believe for a second Cubert's pencil that. But it kind of looks like it. In what way does it kind of look like? In the, that it was drawn with graphite? Like he did rough layouts. He may have done very rough, like he's done a circle well, and yeah. said this is where Cap is. Well, this series is supposed to be um, fortnightly. Right. But kept changing from two weeks to four weeks to three weeks. So maybe it was running late and he just did the layouts and that's maybe. why they needed three inkers. And that's why they needed three inkers on this issue. It does lend an inconsistency to the story because so far, even though they've used three different pencilers, hmm. the artwork has been quite consistent even though Corpiel doesn't look anything like Ramita Jr., yeah. who doesn't look anything like Kubert, it still maintained a consistency to the work itself. I would have preferred Ramita Jr. had done the whole thing. Yeah. But we've mentioned that before. And then Hope ends up being Dark Phoenix. And then nothing. Yeah. And then we get what should have happened in the first place, the reaction to House of M, where all the mutants are created. Mm. And all the mutants start coming back. Yeah. So basically, he's he's just undone everything he's done. Yeah. See, this is why I can't just give up on Amazing Spider-Man because you don't know that three or four years down the line, when the story's all told, yeah. or two years, because there's another film coming out. Yeah. Everything will be status quo for that film coming out. Probably. Um. Well, the thing in this is, Cap says to him that you do know that if you hadn't have killed everyone and just let the Phoenix have done its path, which would have created more mutants and gone its way. And uh, <laughs> Scott's just sat there in his cell going. Okay. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great thing to end the big 12 issue series on. Oops. Yeah. And so it ended. Um, going I'm into Uncanny Avengers. Going into Uncanny Avengers and Marvel Now. I pr- that we'll probably end up doing a Marvel Now episode at probably. some point. Given that I've only read Uncanny Avengers, Indestructible Hulk, and Captain America, I can't imagine it being a really long episode. No. On superior Spider-Man, we could do that, so I could let all my anger out. Yeah, I'm not angry, to be honest with you. Yeah, I've gotten past being angry about comics. It's just comics. Yeah, I'm, I'm still my angry face. See, well, you've got to get through all of that. Yeah, I mean, like, I have seen lots of people on the internet going, "I'm dropping Spider-Man, never again," and I'm like, well, "Is I'm it really that bad?" I'm kind of on the fence with that. I'm saying this, but it's going to be like. It's only a couple of weeks before you'll read it. Or I read it, come down the next morning and go, What is this piece of trash? <laughs> and the last time you did that, we made a show out of it. Yeah. Um, anyway, Avengers vs. X-Men ends. <laughs> Very tangential. Yeah. I do apologise, we're not focused today. I can't decide if this was disappointing or not. This conclusion. Yeah. Um, Hope takes on the Phoenix Force into herself and then shows it between herself and Scarlet Witch and it just dissipates. And we get some talking and standing around and a huge epilogue for Marvel now. Um, just once, I'd like one of these things to end with a resolution to this particular story. And not just be set up for the next event or relaunch or whatever. The conversation at the end between Cap and Scott was revealing. With the normally compassionate Cap being unable to forgive Scott under the influence of the Phoenix Force or not. For the death of Charles Xavier. Which does beg the question. How much of it is Phoenix... And how much of it is the person? Because Jean Grey only died because at the last minute, Jim Shooter felt she hadn't paid the price for the death of the innocent asparagus people. Originally, Jean was going to fight the Phoenix Force and win. And then in the redrawn version, Jean died taking the Phoenix with her 
the implication being that once you were Phoenix, Jean Grey ceased to be. Here, though, Scott is being held solely responsible for the death of Charles, and that's even how the scene played out. There was no element there that the Phoenix Force had made him do that, was yeah. there? If, if he'd have died, yeah. then everyone would have been, oh, it's the Phoenix, but because yeah. he's alive. But because he's alive. But no, the scene doesn't play like it was the Phoenix. No. When you read the issue, it's Cyclops killing his mentor. Yeah. It's not the Phoenix doing it. In the original Dark Phoenix saga, as laid out in the retelling when they restructured the final issue, mm. Phoenix is a force that has totally corrupted Jean Grey. The Jean Grey that we knew is no longer there. Right. And that's how they are able to justify it. We have to kill Jean because she, the, the Phoenix Force is inhabiting her, mm. but there's nothing of her left. Yeah, but with this, it's Scott all the yeah, way through. But in this, and particularly that end scene where he kills Xavier, yeah. it's Cyclops doing it. There's no. He only becomes Dark Phoenix after that. Mm. So there's no implication that he's to be let off the hook for this, which is presumably why he's still in jail as Marvel now begins. Yeah. Because essentially he's committed cold blooded murder. Um. I didn't like that because they've essentially taken one of their oldest characters and had him murder another one of their oldest characters. Mm. Which seems to be further evidence of the Marvel writer's character assassination of Scott Summers, who for some reason over the last 10 or 15 years has become a much despised character in the Marvel Universe by fans and pros alike. And I don't get that. I always like Scott Summers. I I quite resent this implication that he's... Because he's a bit of a squirr. Yeah. He's somehow to be hated and despised. Um, again, my other main problem with it is I can't help but feel that most of this issue was designed purely to set up Uncanny Avengers 1 yeah. rather than be concerned with ending this story in its own right. Well, as we've noticed from reading Uncanny Avengers 1, it's, that's not its own series, it's... Uh epilogue to Avengers vs. X-Men. I will say that having read this Uncanny Avengers 1 makes more sense. Yeah. Although I still think my criticisms of it are valid. Yeah. Because my criticism of it is we were told that you can go to any Marvel Now book, doesn't matter if you've not read a Marvel comic ever before, or if you're a lapsed reader, you will go into this and be able to understand it. Yeah. And Uncanny Avengers was essentially A vs. X Consequences. Yeah. I do like that the Avengers vs. Consequences issue 1 is a play on the Superman death. Mm. Isn't it? He's even lying in the same pose yeah. with the people around him. All you need is somebody clutching a cape. Which I thought was quite good. All told, I enjoyed Avengers vs. X-Men a lot more than I thought I would. And certainly a lot more than you thought I would. Yeah. And it's proof that not all mega crossovers need to be dreadful. There wasn't enough Hulk smashing though. There wasn't enough of it in the last issue. Though. No, that was. I think that was another criticism of it. The last issue felt quite rushed. Yeah, it could have been double sized and had more fights in it. Okay, it you might have been wanting more fights in it. I did because they were they were essentially billing this as Avengers versus X Men. If you build something as versus, yeah, I want to see fights. I liked that they didn't skimp on the characterization. I liked that all the characters were written in character. Mm. And you could actually totally relate to the point of view. Yeah. Whether you were on the Avengers side or the X-Men side. And there were various points in the story where I wavered as to which side to be on. But ultimately you come down with Cap because you realise ultimately he's right. Yeah. Absolute power is corrupting. And Cyclops can't handle it. But uh, it was alright. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the John Jr. setup issues more than anything else. Yeah. 
Um, what happened after this, Michael? Or have you not read Avengers vs. X-Men Consequences? I've not read Consequences because I couldn't bring myself to it. Why not? Because... And you just had enough at this point? Yeah, well, one of the criticisms of Marvel now is the continuity is all over the place. It is doesn't it? make sense. It's not all as one like the DC one was. It's, say, Consequences is supposed to take place after... Avengers vs. X-Men, but then so does Uncanny Avengers. Yes, Uncanny no Avengers picks up exactly as they said. Yes, but so does Consequences, so it's not like there's any room for them to, the two to take place at the same time. Right. And apparently it's like that across the entire line. Right. It's just none of the continuity making sense. Well, Captain America's in Uncanny Avengers, but in his own book, yeah. where he is and what he's doing... He's still in his old costume. And it's one year later. Yeah. Issue 2 picks up with a big splash page saying one year later. Yeah. So he's been in this alternate universe over a year at this point. Maybe he gets back in time, hasn't moved. So maybe he gets back in time, not moved on in anywhere. Yeah. I suppose that's possible. Yeah. Um, what else happens? Uncanny X-Men 19 shows the Dark Phoenix's fight from Scott's view and shows the history of Scott and the Phoenix. Is it any good? It's decent. Uh, fair enough. It, See, it doesn't pay into it anymore. I've it? not felt the need to read any of the tie-ins. It's not me. It's not added to anything. Well, anything. None of them. No. Right. If anything, they add more confusion. Well, I have thought that. I thought if I'd read the tie-ins, would I have enjoyed this as much? I mean, there was a thing on. I think it was on Bleeding Cool or Comic Book Resources. I forget. Where they basically they looked at Night of Owls or Court of Owls, one of them, yeah. and said, "This is a textbook example of how you do a crossover. Yeah, and then everything lines up perfectly." Yeah. It was the one where it all takes place in one night. Yeah. And different hours of the night are in different it's books. Night of Owls. Night of Owls. And they said, this is how you do it. Mm. It all lines up perfectly. You can read it in that order and it makes perfect sense. Or you can read just the Batman book and it still makes perfect sense. Yeah. And they were saying that a lot of the crossovers with Avengers vs. X-Men just felt like they hadn't talked to each other. Yeah. Now, because I've it only read... Like well, because I've only read Avengers vs. X-Men and A vs. X... Just from A vs. X, you sat there going, this doesn't fit in with what was in Avengers vs. X-Men. Yeah. Which, you know... So, I, by not reading the other ones, I think I've had a favour here. Yeah. I think Blackest Night could have learned from this, or the other way, or maybe they learned from Blackest Night, mm. in that there were some very important chapters of that story that were in the issues of Green Lantern. And as a thing, they've changed the upcoming Blackest Night omnibus. Have they? Is it an omnibus or an absolute? Absolute. They originally only had the, the Blackest Night issues in it, Oh yeah, they've responded to fan pressure to put the Green Lantern issues in it which you need because didn't we say when we covered that if you don't have the Green Lantern issues you're buggered no it was if you're reading uh, Green Lantern but not Blackest Night you're buggered but you can read Blackest Night without Green Lantern right so they've they've gone back and changed it so the Green Lantern issues are going to be in the absolute worth an absolute though no I don't I don't think that but Sinestro Core War got an absolute as well yeah that's not worth it is it not really do you not think Jeff Johns is now a high muckety muck at DC. He's, he's just he's going all of his... reprint all of my stuff yeah. because I get royalties and incentives. Probably. And the, do you not think that's why the next Superman animated DVD movie is based on his Brainiac story arc? Is it? Yeah. Jeff Johns going kitching. This is making sense now. <laughs> We've got one final issue of A vs X to cover, which was the final issue of the series, issue six. Yeah. Um, the covers are all right. I like the look of Iron Man's armour. By Jim Chung. Yeah, but uh, Iron Fist has a squashed face. Yeah. Or is this, is this Jim Chung? Yeah, it is. is it? I don't know who Jim Chung is. He signed it twice. 
which, which was very good of him. Yeah. So good he signed it twice. Yeah. Uh, the top half is Scarlet Witch versus Hope, which is better than the bottom half. Although, as I've said, I do like the detailing on Iron Man's armour. It does look metallic. Mm. Although that could be the colorist, couldn't it? Yeah. Doing that. Anyway, um, the first fight, go on. Yeah, Scarlet Witch versus Hope. Hope wins. Yeah. Um, Kieran Gillen wrote it, Jim Chung penciled it. I did think that this was going to be interesting because both characters are mutants and could feasibly be considered X-Men. Yeah. But Scarlet Witch was an Avenger for a long time, so I thought perhaps this would be the get-out clause needed to have the Avengers win one of these things. Yeah. But no. Scarlet Witch is laid low by a sneaky punch to the jaw. Yeah. And the X bias continues. X is a cheater. Yeah. Basically, the X-Men cheat. Um, the artwork in this is very manga. Oh, it's Jim Chung. Which is not detrimental. I actually quite like the art in this, even though I'm not the biggest manga fan in the world. But, meh, I couldn't bring myself to really care about this fight. Especially yeah. since it really doesn't fit in Avengers vs. X-Men 12. It does. Really? Yes, the fight scene flashback to Avengers vs. X-Men 12. That entire scene fits in those between those two panels. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I'll go with you. Uh, the rest of the issue. Oh, dear me. Carry on. Uh, Cyclops versus Captain America in Verbal Abuse by Brian Bendis. And Jim Marfood. Yeah. Um, it pains me to say I giggled a bit. Did you? Yeah. Um, is the rest of the book going to try and be funny? Yeah. Because what a flat piece of work this was with god-awful art and a truly unprofessional dig at the competition. I thought this was poop. My yeah. chicken scratches are better than that artwork. And we know Jim Marfood can draw because we covered the Clerks Christmas special on our Christmas episode. Yeah. Which was excellent. This just looks like he's knocked it out while he sat on the bog. It's essentially a conversation, which strikes you as no bit odd because yeah. Brian Michael Bendis wrote it. Um, it's crap. Sorry. Next. Next was the... A vs. X science battle. What? Yeah. Um. It was by Catherine and Stuart Immerman. Um, it's just a bunch of the scientists on either side of the teams fighting with double talk generator words, like if we reroute the negative power coupling through the antimatter converter that's linked into reverse the polarity. polarity of the neutron flow. It was crap. Next. Next was Captain America vs. Havoc by Mike D'Udato. Um... Now, this one was funny. The art was good. Yeah, oh, the art's excellent, because it's Mike Diodato. And Cap Stars back on his back. Yeah. You'll notice. Um, I thought this one was funny, because they admitted that Havoc won simply because the ex-office put this boot together. That makes so much sense. It not. does, doesn't it? Many a true word spoken in jest. Yeah. This makes so... If the ex-team put this boot together, suddenly you're like, well, why did I bother reading it, then? Yeah. Why did I bother reading this and going, I want the thing to win? <laughs> because there was never any chance. It's a gorgeous splash page. Yeah. But, you know, meh, for the most part. Next was Hulk versus Domino. Who's Domino? The next man. Why should I care? She showed up a couple of times in the X-Men run. She's Wolverine had a fling with her. Excellent. Right, okay. Um, what did you think of that one? Because I've got nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing. What about Ed McGuinness? Ed McGuinness's art's nice. But... And Red Hulk loses. And the, I do like I do like the AVX fun fact is C, because yeah. another X-Men won versus the Red Hulk. The Red Hulk looking suspiciously like David Borey and Az. 
on that last panel. Do you not think? The bit. Now you've said it. <laughs> uh, next. Uh, next was Toad versus Jervis by Christopher Hastings, Jacob Chabot, and somebody else. Yeah. Joe, Man- Joe Caramanga did the lettering on all of it, so yes. we don't have to say that. This one, I actually like because of the outcome. I thought this was hysterical. I actually found this one funny. Yeah. Um, Toad has been sent to infiltrate Avengers Tower, disguised as a janitor, and Jarvis, disgusted by the quality of his work, punches him out the window. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Yeah. I love the idea of Jarvis just punching him out of a window. And they're not on they're not on the ground floor. No. So presumably Toad just fell all the way to the bottom and went squish. Oh, he used his tongue and latched <laughs> onto the building. And I love the punch's line. And you've made quite a mess out of the window as well. Yeah. No Jarvis, you made a mess out of the window. I have to confess I like that one. That was good that one. Yeah. Next. Uh the next one was Spider Woman versus Emma Frost, Spider Woman versus Storm, and Spider Woman versus Psylocke. By Jeff Loeb and Art Adams. Apparently the winner was us. Yeah. Um, this was all a dream of Hawkeye's. And the winner, as I've said, was declared to be us, the reader. I'm sorry, I didn't feel like a winner after reading this particular story. For one thing, in Hawkeye's dream, all the women keep their clothes on. Which makes for a pretty le- lame, wet dream, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. And second, there's no bondage or shower scenes. Okay. What a boring-ass dream, Hawkeye. Maybe Hawkeye's a costume fetish. Maybe he is, but even with that, you, there's nothing erotic or sexy about the fights. No. So, you know, meh. Did you like it? You're an adolescent boy. <laughs> Not really. Good, good. Art Adam's artwork's even a bit crap as well, isn't it? Yeah. On that particular story. Next! Uh, next was Iron Fist versus Iceman. By Jason Aaron and Raymond Perez. Ramon Perez. Yeah. I don't know how that's pronounced. Um, this did have one line that made me genuinely smile. I take no pleasure from this victory, says Iron Fist, as Iceman is left in pieces on the floor. Neither do I, replies Iceman. Yeah. However, since when could you break Iceman into little pieces and reassemble him? Since now. That seems to be a huge suspension of disbelief, even for a comic fan. Well, Wolverine can survive with only his head. Yeah, well, I don't like that either, do I? Yeah. So, so no, I don't like this. I don't like the idea that you can chop Iron Man, Iron Man, Ice Man into bits like he's an ice cube, and he's still sentient, and he can still converse with you. Mm. And then you can just put him back together. No, that's crap, to be honest with you. Uh, what was the final funny story in this funny issue? Squirrel Girl versus Pixie. Who the hell's Pixie? Um, she's a new mutant. Oh, right, okay. Um, They're playing, like, a role-playing Avengers vs. X-Men game. Yeah, it's by Dan Slott and Katie Cook. I thought the art was quite cute. Mm. Squirrel Girl and Pixie are playing with X-Men and Avengers toys until the Thing tells them that they were made out of the Puppet Master's mind control clay and takes them away. Next day, the Avengers fight the X-Men. Yeah. The art was lovely. I thought the art was really pretty and cute. Your, your sister would probably love that. Yeah just in terms of its artwork, but uh, as an issue, God, this was disappointing. Oh, yeah. The only trouble with funny comics is when they aren't that funny. And this was extremely hit and miss, wasn't it? Mostly miss. Mostly miss, yes. Absolutely no disagreement on that score. Anything else that you need to tell us about before we wrap this one up? Uh, There's New Avengers 30, which shows the New Avengers capture and arrest Emma Frost and Luke Cage quit the Avengers. 
Avengers 30 is about Hawkeye and Spider-Woman taking down Mr. Negative. Wolverine and the X-Men 18 covers what Jean Grey's school was up to during the final fight and how they reacted when it finished. And X-Men Legacy 274 shows Magneto proposed to Rose, Rogue, but get rejected. Magneto proposed to Rogue? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, well that about wraps up for Avengers vs. X-Men. What has been the overall impact of this story on the Marvel Universe? Um... Still too early to make that call, really, isn't it? It tried to be the flashpoint of it, but... That's actually a very good analogy. It, it tries to be flashpoint, but Marvel once again botched the relaunch by once again wanting to have their cake and eat it. Yeah. You can say what you want about the new 52, but DC had the balls to say, no, we're rebooting everything and starting from scratch. Whether you agree with what they did or disagree with what they did, or agree or disagree with how they did it, and we frequently have done, Yeah, the, a case can be argued that at least they had the stones to go ahead and do it. And they've continued to do it for over a year. And they've continued to... They've not gone back to the old continuity, like lots of people said they would. Mm-hmm. Although it's going to be interesting to see if we do get a Detective Comics 900, isn't it? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if that happens. Well, have you seen the hints about it? Did he... Did he... You know what the smartest thing they could do? Yeah. They, all they do is... Um, it's still numbered Detective Comics 13 or 14 or whatever it'll be. What yeah. will it be by that point? 21 or something. But have it as an oversized issue. Yeah, you have it as an oversized, double-sized issue celebrating Batman's entire publishing legacy. And on the cover, you just put the 700th continuous issue of Detective Comics. You don't renumber it 700. Yeah. You keep the numbering of the new 52. And that way, everyone gets what they want. Everyone gets a seven nine hundredth issue of Detective Comics. DC continues. DC continues the new Fifty Two, and they keep the word that this is all that's happened. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I would do. But DC, yeah. So but they're probably not going to do that, aren't me? And they're probably not going to do that. No. Um, Marvel now has been a bit of a mixed bag thus far. From what we've read. From what we've read so far, I've read Indestructible Hulk, Uncanny Avengers, and Captain America. The first two issues of the latter two, only the first issue of Uncanny Avengers. Uh, Superior Spider-Man hasn't dropped as of this recording, which is also going to be under the Marvel Now banner. And apparently Daredevil will be rebranded as Marvel Now, but it's not going to be renumbered as of an upcoming issue. So I think you can probably argue then that, like you say, it's been a very scattered relaunch. Whereas old books that have already been relaunched are going to be now branded as Marvel Now, even though they're not beginning with new number ones. Which strikes me as a bit strange. Yeah. And some of the creative decisions are a bit puzzling. I like the idea of Captain America that he's not following up Ed Brubacker by doing an Ed Brubacker-esque story. He's yeah. took in a completely different direction. And I'm enjoying what Mark Wade's doing with the Hulk immensely. I'm still on the fence with Spider-Man. Really? Yeah. I'm still... I want to actually read Seven properly it. before I, I go into a, a Reading huge, it properly might change your mind. It might change my mind. I think the fact that I said... I, I guessed what they were going to do and yeah. then thought, no, they won't do that. And then that's actually what they did. I can't decide whether that makes them painfully predictable or I've read too many comics. Yeah. And it also strikes me as being very similar to the Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. What's up? Thank you. Were Buffy and Faith swap bodies. Oh, right. And the second part of that, yeah. Faith becomes all what's his name don't you Faith starts acting heroic because Buffy's a hero right and I'm wondering are they going to go down that path and Dr. Octopus has appeared in it a lot recently yeah right. had you not figured all that out no I haven't been reading it I know it now I'm sorry I've not ruined 700 for you 700 has not been ruined for you but you, 
after you saying that no no that's earlier than that really yeah oh okay that's that's a couple of issues before 700 right okay so I've not ruined 700 for you right okay like all the times that you ruined comics for me the advantage I have over you is I don't remember yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry but that's not ruined 700 for you alright okay okie dokie we'll probably have read 700 by the time this one goes up probably so this conversation won't make any sense uh, next week we've got two weeks worth of Michael's celebration not mourning no of the passing of Hellblazer I've gone over that have you? yeah and I've ordered you Constantine number one have you? yeah so we'll see what happens with that and then seven weeks of happy birthday Superman seven whole weeks seven whole weeks it's all planned out it's all yep. plotted we know what issues we're going to cover yep. may even have a couple of guests on from really? the Leyland family alright yeah we've already we've already invited your sister on for one of them <laughs> which is a bit for fascinating adult podcasting yeah <laughs> Hmm. Well, it, it I liked was it. okay. I liked her dress. No, she's better than that. I like um, Streaky. Streaky the super cat. Yes. Uh, so we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Goodbye. opinions expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and you probably shouldn't take them too seriously. All music and sound clips used in the show are for illustrative and review purposes only and no infringement is intended. Andrew and Michael make no money from the production of this show, which is a source of much consternation. New episodes drop every Thursday over at twotruefreaks.libson.com which is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. Old episodes of the show are also archived on the Two True Freaks internet radio feed at twotruefreaks.libson.com. If you wish to communicate with Michael or Andrew or any of the things they have discussed about on the show, you can email them at heykidscomics, all one word, at virginmedia.com. If you wish to view the covers of the comics we've talked about this week, we have a website, www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com. If you are so inclined but don't actually want to drop us an email but just wish to ask us a quick question or say hi, you can Facebook friend us. We're using Hey Kids, all one word, as the first name, and comics as the surname. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics.